Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, we're talking about the likelihood of Tyler Anderson re-signing with the Dodgers. We'll talk about the story behind how Clayton Kershaw ended up with number 22 on the Dodgers. And we're going to talk about a possibility you might not have thought of to be LA's shortstop in 2023. So let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers. Your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Dodger fans. This is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now, and then you will never miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. My normal co-host is Vince Samperio, although it's just me tonight. Uh, Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans, just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you a smart fan's perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. yeah, and so let's jump right in. Uh, I mentioned Vince isn't with me today. Uh, our schedules this week, uh, but basically uh, he had two days that didn't work for him and I had two days that didn't work for me. And so we decided let's uh, do one episode together and two split episodes. So that's why it's just me today. It'll be just Vince with you to finish off the week tomorrow. I am heading down to Southern Utah for a baseball tournament with my son's team that I unfortunately coach. No, I enjoy coaching my son's team. I enjoy coaching my son. I'll leave it at that. Um, So uh, Vince will be with you tomorrow to talk all about, uh, you know, whatever's going on in Dodgerland. And sometimes that's a lot. And sometimes that's a little, uh, the hot stove hasn't really begun. Free agency doesn't start to after the world series is done. And so right now we're kind of in a holding pattern, but there's still plenty of, uh, plenty of rumors and ideas and thoughts. And so one of those things I wanted to talk about today has to do with Tyler Anderson. Tyler Anderson ended up being, in some ways, the Dodgers' most dependable starter this year. He and Julio were the only Dodgers starters who, who weren't hurt at all this year. Uh, Anderson ended up leading the team in innings pitched. Uh, he he only started 28 games because, if you remember, he uh, started the season as a piggybacker uh, pitching in relief after Tony Gonsolin starts. And so he pitched in 30 games as a starter-type pitcher, but only 28 actual starts. Uh, but led the team in innings pitched, was fifth in the National League in ERA, had an outstanding season, much better than anybody would have expected. The Dodgers didn't sign him till mid-March after the lockout. And uh, I think they were hoping to have a solid number five starter who would stay healthy and take the ball. And they got that and so much more. Anderson had an outstanding season for the Dodgers. And that brings up the question of, will he be back next year? He's a free agent again. Uh, he made $8 million last year. And, uh, on yesterday, I talked about that episode of Access Sportsnet where David Vasse and Jerry Harrison Jr. were talking about uh, things. Another topic they covered was Tyler Anderson. That's what got me thinking about it. Uh, and Vasse, here's what he said. He said, I firmly believe the Dodgers are going to offer the qualifying offer to Tyler Anderson, about $19 million. He has such great value, not only that 15-5 and five record, not only one of the lowest ERAs in the National League, but also he posts every fifth or sixth day. And yeah, I mean, it, it kind of, it's a good summary of the value he has. He was, it, they got him to be that post every fifth or sixth day guy. And then he ended up being that and so much more. 
so the qualifying offer that Vesse mentioned, it's actually $19.65 million uh, for a one-year contract. And the way the qualifying offer works, I won't belabor it. I'm sure a lot of you understand, but just in case you don't, uh, the team can offer him a qualifying offer. If he accepts it, he's under contract for one year and $19.65 million. Uh, and he'll be back next year. If he doesn't accept it, then if he signs with a team other than the Dodgers, that team has draft pick penalties. Uh, so basically it makes it a little bit harder for that player to sign somewhere else in free agency. Uh, if you remember last year, it was kind of a big deal that the Dodgers didn't offer Clayton Kershaw the qualifying offer because they wanted, they didn't want to artificially deflate his market basically out of respect to Kershaw they basically said if he wants to play somewhere else we're not going to make it harder for him to do that and uh and Kershaw appreciated that that means Kershaw is also still eligible for the qualifying offer this year uh, because you, you're only eligible one year uh, you can only receive the qualifying offer one time and uh, since Kershaw hasn't received one yet he could this year Anderson also hasn't received a qualifying offer so he is eligible to receive it and like I said, he made $8 million this year. $19.65 million is actually a couple million more than Anderson has made in his entire career so far. And so it's easy to see him uh, accepting the qualifying offer and saying, yeah, I'll come back for, for just under 20 million bucks for a year, sure. Uh, but also the fact is, chances are he could get a, a bigger deal on the open market. Probably not a higher average annual value, uh, I don't think he's going to get $19.65 million per year, but I think there's probably a deal out there for, you know, two or three years at 14 ish million per year. And so, you know, would he really take 19.65 million if there's a guaranteed 28 or 42 million on the table over two or three years? I don't think he would, uh, but it could be the Dodgers offering him that 28 or 42 million. I could totally see the Dodgers offering him, two years, 28 million. And obviously he likes pitching for the Dodgers. He, he said he came to the Dodgers to see how much he could get better pitching in their system. And he got a lot better. And I'm sure there's part of him that wants to stay with the Dodgers. You know, uh, you know not that he would suddenly regress if he went somewhere else, uh, but I think, you know, his, his rapport. And that's one of the things that uh, maybe I'll just read this next quote uh, that, that Jerry Hairston said. He said, if, I think if I'm Tyler Anderson, you want to stay here because now you've found a place where you're comfortable. He loves pitching at Dodger Stadium. He loves the coaching staff. He and my, Mark Pryor have a tremendous rapport, and you want to stay in a place where you've had tremendous success. I think there's a lot of truth to that, what, what Jerry's saying. Uh, it's hard to see Anderson wanting to leave. And obviously, he's not a big-name superstar. He hasn't made a ton of money in his career. And so this is probably his best chance at a payday. So he's not going to take a lowball offer. But I think there's probably a, a middle ground that he and the Dodgers could work out where it's fair to both sides and, and both sides are pretty happy with it. Uh, John Hartung asked Vasse, do you think that Anderson would really accept the one-year deal if there's multi-year offers likely? And Vasse said, yeah. He said, I think he would. He would accept it to stay with the Dodgers because he believes in what they teach as far as pitching. I don't think he would accept the qualifying offer Unless something in the market, like if he really feels like there's not going to be a multi-year offer, maybe. Um, but uh, I think he would use that as leverage and say, look, guys, I want to stay here. What what can we do on a multi-year deal? You know, and and I could see even see him taking a lesser average annual value to stay with the Dodgers and say, you know what? Give me a three-year deal 
at for you know 36 million 12 million a year and i could see him taking that uh, because 36 million bucks is a lot of money for a guy who's who's you know made uh 15 million total in his career to this point it basically triples his career earnings and so I think Tyler Anderson's going to be back. He he and Kershaw have become best friends, which is so funny because uh, the maddest Kershaw's ever been was when Tyler Anderson was late walking down to the dugout when he was with the Rockies. And uh, it's funny, they become so close. But uh, I think Anderson is pretty darn happy with the Dodgers. And I think there is a deal to be made where he's getting a ton of money and the Dodgers get a ton of value. And that's the best kind of deal there is. So uh, I do think Tyler Anderson is coming back. That is my prediction right now. I am coming back in just a minute, and I'm going to talk about Clayton Kershaw some more and how he ended up wearing number 22 for the Dodgers. Uh, it's because it was somebody's birthday on Wednesday. Whose birthday, you ask? I'll tell you in a minute. So thanks for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning, and please keep it Locked on Dodgers. Hey, dress shirts are tricky. It's hard to find one that fits right while also being comfortable and matches your style. Plus, with all the hustle and bustle you got going on, you need a dress shirt that looks good enough to get the deal done at work, but is comfortable enough to play catch with your kid after dropping him off at practice. The dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man, and here's why. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from the commute to work to your 18 holes of golf. It's time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. It's that easy. With Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. The, Ro- the commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash locked on and use code locked on. All right, I am back. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit. Uh, Wednesday was, if you guys, if you're on Twitter, you should follow Dodger cards uh, at Dodgers underscore cards. That's a guy named Chad Simmons. He's actually been on this podcast a couple of years ago during the pandemic, uh, had him and a couple other guys on uh, talking about baseball cards and Dodger cards and stuff. And uh, Chad's a great dude, runs a great Twitter account over there. And uh, he's basically just posting photos of Dodgers baseball cards. And one of the things he does most days is posting cards of people whose birthdays it is. And on Wednesday, he posted a a picture of Mark Sweeney's card from 2008 uh, because it was Mark Sweeney's 53rd birthday. And Mark Sweeney played his last two years of his 14-year career with the Dodgers in 2007 and 2008. Uh, He's now, he works for the Padres. He's a a TV analyst. uh, And uh, whenever I think of Mark Sweeney these days, I remember the fact that he was the last Dodger before Clayton Kershaw to wear number 22. And the reason I remember that is because in 2019, I went to the Sabre convention, Society for American Baseball Research, is Sabre. Their annual convention in 2019 was in San Diego. I went down to it. It was an awesome event. I, I love it. Just a bunch of baseball nerds together talking about baseball nerdery. Uh, you should really check it out sometime. Check out Sabre. Great organization. Anyway, uh, Sabre has a podcast called the Sabrecast with Rob Nyer. 
Uh, my buddy Rob Nyer, who's also been a guest on this podcast, he does that podcast, does a really good job. And in 2019, he was very early in that. I think the 14th episode was a live episode that they recorded at the Sabre Convention in San Diego. And it was Rob on stage with Mark Sweeney and Randy Jones, another Padres announcer who, uh, former Cy Young Award winner. And so because we were in San Diego, it was kind of a Padres theme. And so he was talking to those two guys. But it got a little Dodger theme there for a little bit because uh, Mark Sweeney, Rob brought up the fact that Mark was the last Dodger to wear number 22 before Clayton Kershaw. And I hadn't heard the, the story before. And uh, I'm going to read you what, what Sweeney said about it. And then I will, uh, then I'll talk a little bit more about some more details that I've dug up. So uh, Sweeney said, Clayton Kershaw came up as a 20 year old in spring training, throwing 97, 98 miles an hour with a curveball, And everybody talking about this is the guy, Sandy Koufax, as we all do. We reference who the next Sandy Koufax is. Well, that's not fair to this young man. So halfway through the season, they said, someone comes out to me. I think it was Russell Martin, the catcher at the time, and said, hey, Clayton, Clayton Kershaw loves the number 22. At that point, I wanted to take mine off, rip my Sweeney off the back of my uniform, and put it in his locker. And I went up. I literally went up that day to Mitch Poole, our clubhouse guy, and I said, Clayton Kershaw needs to wear this number. He's going to be in it for a long time, and hopefully it's 20 years. We don't know how long it's going to be, but he needs to do that. And he said, well, we can't do that for PR reasons. They'll have to change all the books. I said, Mitch, change the books and just make a footnote that our 25th player on the roster is changing the uniform. They're not going to care about that. But that changed. I still tell Clayton Kershaw to this day, he owes me a Rolex watch or something. Uh, and, and I remember I was in the room when when Rob was recording this podcast, uh, listening to Mark Sweeney tell that story. And uh, it's cool. You know, as you guys know, if you if you listen to this show or watch it, Clayton Kershaw is my favorite player. He's my favorite player of all time. I love Clayton Kershaw. And my son, my older son, wears number 22 because of Clayton Kershaw. He, he loves Kershaw. And uh, Clayton Kershaw wears 22 because of Will Clark, his fa- favorite player growing up. Uh, and Kershaw, uh, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I dug up uh, an article from the New York Times, or for the LA Times, sorry, about when, because uh, I wasn't sure when this happened, that Sweeney gave up number 22. I knew that Kershaw wore number 54 in his major league debut. Uh, and I knew that he was number 22 later that year. What I didn't know, didn't realize, was that he only pitched, he only wore number 54 that one game, May 25th, his major league debut. He was number 54. By the time he made his next start five days later, he was wearing number 22. Um, And and I'm just going to read you what Dylan Hernandez wrote uh, back when he liked the Dodgers. Uh, The headline is, Kershaw gets thrilled with Jersey. This is on May 30th, the day of Kershaw's second start. Uh, So just before his second start. Uh, Clayton Kershaw said he was ready for his first game in New York. I got that first start out of the way, Kershaw said of his his major league debut on Sunday when he struck out seven and six innings and gave up two runs. When the prized 20-year-old left-hander takes the mound today at Shea Stadium to face the Mets, he'll do so wearing the number worn by his boyhood idol, former San Francisco and Texas first baseman Will Clark. The number 22 jersey was given to him by pinch-hitting specialist Mark Sweeney, who agreed to take the number 21 that became free when Esteban Loaiza was designated for assignment last week. Kershaw, who wore number 54 in his big league debut, never had number 22 in the minors. He said it was the number he always had playing travel ball as a teenager in Texas. I used to like to play first base, he said. Kershaw laughed when told that he could trade positions with first baseman James Loney, who has often said he wants to relive his high school days as a pitcher. He can probably pitch better than I can hit, Kershaw said. 
Sweeney said he had no problem offering Kershaw his number, noting that Kershaw is going to be in this uniform for a long, long time. It's something important to do from an organizational standpoint. Uh, and, and it's really cool. You know, so Kershaw just pitched the one game in number 54. Uh, interesting thing is, you know, they mentioned Esteban Loaiza. Uh, Esteban Loaiza was DFA'd to make room for Clayton Kershaw on the roster. And uh, Sweeney and Loaiza had both been on the Dodgers in 2007. And in 2007, Sweeney wore number 21. He he wore 21 as a tribute to Ken Kameny, his former teammate who had passed away. Um, in 2007, Loaiza wore number 25 and 35 with the Dodgers. He came over in a midseason trade from the A's. So Sweeney already had number 21. Then at the end of the season, Loaiza was still under contract with the Dodgers. Sweeney became a free agent. And so Loaiza snatched up number 21. And so then when Sweeney did re-sign with the Dodgers, he took number 22 because it was close to 21. So then when Loaiza ended up getting DFA'd to make room for Kershaw, it opened up the, the number that Sweeney wanted to wear anyway. And then when he found out that Kershaw would like 22, it just made perfect sense. And so it, it really, you know, if if this was Ken Burns baseball and we were trying to make everything romantic and uh, and fateful, you could say it kind of worked out perfectly that Loiza was the one who got DFA'd to make room for Kershaw, thereby opening up 21, which thereby opened up 22 so that uh, everybody could be happy. I think it's pretty cool. And uh, Clayton Kershaw is number 22. Nobody will ever wear number 22 again uh, after Kershaw does. It won't officially be retired until he's officially in the Hall of Fame five years after he retires. But Mark Sweeney will forever be the answer to a trivia question, who was the last player besides Clayton Kershaw to wear number 22. And I think it's pretty cool that it was that it's a good story. I, I like good stories. And uh, I, I like the fact that uh, Kershaw ended up with the number that he wanted because of all these things that that fell into place perfectly for that to work out. So anyway, just uh, Mark Sweeney's birthday brought that up, got me thinking about it, got me writing about it, and I thought it would get me talking about it on this podcast because you can never get too much Clayton Kershaw content. So I'm going to come back in a minute. I'm going to talk about an article that Fabian Ardaya wrote in The Athletic in which he casually mentioned one name as a potential for Dodgers 2023 shortstop who we might not have thought of before. So thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning, and please keep it Locked On Dodgers. Okay, I am back for one last segment, and I want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen. It really does mean a lot to us. We would love to hear your comments. If you're watching on YouTube right now, please share your comments uh, in the comments section. If you're listening as a podcast, shoot us messages on social media or whatever. We love hearing from you guys. Got a lot of comments on yesterday's episode, both on YouTube and on social media. Uh, I love it. Love hearing from you guys. So please keep that up. And thanks for listening. I'll give you all the contact info at the end of the episode. But for now, I want to talk about this article that Fabian Ardaya wrote in The Athletic. And uh, he was talking about potential landing spots for for uh, Trey Turner or, or potential re- replacements for Trey Turner. If he doesn't come back, there was a different article about potential landing spots, but this one was about who's going to be the Dodgers shortstop. Are they going to bring back Trey Turner or what are they going to do if not? And all the usual suspects are mentioned. You know, he mentioned Carlos Correa. He mentioned Xander Bogarts, mentioned Dansby Swanson. 
And then almost as a throwaway at the end, you know, he talks about the Dodgers minor league system and how Jacob Amaya probably isn't ready. He didn't hit very well in the minors last year. Uh, and they don't really have either. He talked about Gavin Lux, but his throwing issues might make, make that not the ideal situation. And then in the second to last paragraph, he, he said, uh, perhaps a trade option like Milwaukee's Willie Adamas could allow the Dodgers to utilize their farm system for a more cost-effective option as well. Almost a throwaway comment. And yet Willie Adamas is really, really interesting. Uh, you know, Dodger fans, we mostly know him as the guy who struck out looking to end the World Series in 2020. Julio on the mound, you know, Adamas strikes out looking, Dodgers win the World Series, first time since 1988. Wonderful, wonderful. That's our fondness for Willie Adamas. He had this this year he had that funny moment where he hit a fly out to Mookie Betts at the warning track and uh, Mookie joked with them on the way in, telling him to hit the weight room, kind of uh, pantomiming, do a bench press motion. Uh, from what we hear, Betts and Adamas have a pretty good relationship. Uh, they both used to play in the in the American League East and they've, they're they kind of friendly with each other. Um, that's mostly what we know about Adamas. Uh, he's going into his second year of salary arbitration. According to uh, MLB trade rumors, he's projected to make about $9.2 million in arbitration, which is basically pocket change to a team like the Dodgers, especially at shortstop. Uh, it's a lot less than Trey Turner's going to make. And he's not as good a player as Trey Turner. And the Dodgers don't necessarily need to make decisions based solely on money. But, you know, per dollar, uh, Adamas is a better value than Trey Turner. He's not quite as good, but he costs a lot less. So he's a better value. Um, over the past three seasons, he has a 118 OPS plus. Uh, it's it's basically about just over two seasons worth of plate appearances because you know you had the shortened 2020 season and then just little. I think he's got 1300 and some plate appearances over the last three seasons, and he's at 64 homers. So I mean he's he's probably a 25 to 30 homer guy in each full season, uh, and he's coming off his best defensive season of his career, and he's only 27. So he's theoretically you know roughly in his prime. There are some downsides. I mentioned the thing we remember about him is striking out against Julio. Yeah, he strikes out a lot. Uh, he struck out 166 times this year, which would have been the most on the Dodgers. Of course, Chris Taylor only struck out 160 times, but he also spent a lot of the year hurt. And so uh, Taylor's strikeout rate was much higher than than Adamas's. Uh, but so his strikeout rate's not as bad, but it was 26.9%. And the only Dodgers with any significant playing time this year with a higher strikeout rate than Adamas were Bellinger, Taylor, Trace Thompson, and Joey Gallo. You know, the strikeout Kings. So Adamas would strike out a lot. And I don't know that that's something that people necessarily have an appetite for right now. Uh, but, you know, I think if the Dodgers got Adamas, he would be batting at the bottom of their order. And, where maybe it's a little more tolerable and he does hit a lot of home runs. He, he's, you know, I, I think there's some potential value there. Uh, it, it would take some prospects to get him away from the, the Brewers, but you know, the Brewers, he, basically what they do, they're kind of like the Rays that as soon as a guy starts making money, they trade him. And so, you know, chances are the Brewers will be open to trading him and the Dodgers might need to trade some guys anyway. They're kind of be facing a 40 man roster crunch soon. So there's probably some guys, that they're going to need to trade. And, uh, you know, they're probably going to trade some prospects this offseason no matter what they do. 
And so it might be an interesting option there. Uh, it, it's just something that, you know, we, we think a lot about the, the free agent guys, the big names there, you know, and, and they all have their pros and cons. You know, Xander Bogarts over the last five years is probably the best hitter. If we're talking about these four free agents, Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, and Dansby Swanson. Over the last five years, Bogarts is probably the best hitter, but he's also the oldest of the group. He he had never been never been good defensively until 2022, so not sure what to think about his defense. You got Dansby Swanson, who still has a career OPS plus of 95. Uh, he's never consistently been a good hitter. Uh, he had his best season on offense and on defense in 2022. And so it's hard to know what you'd be getting from Swanson. You know, we're going to talk a lot about a lot of these guys. You know, I'm just kind of summarizing here. Carlos Correa, obviously very good player, has the proven postseason uh, ability that a lot of people seem to want. He also has a little bit of baggage, if you know what I mean. Um, some might call it bangage, I guess. Uh, yeah, he's Carlos Correa. And you got Trey Turner. Uh, it, it's It's hard to know where the Dodgers would go if they were going after one of those guys, it seems like they might go with Turner because he's the one they're familiar with. He's the one who's familiar with them. And uh, if you want to pay money, may as well be the guy who the fans already like uh, for the most part. I, I think fans are starting to get over it. Dodgers Nation did a poll about whether they want the Dodgers to re-sign Trey, and it was about 75% in favor of yes. And so I think people have forgiven him for the defensive miscues and the offensive slump the last uh, month of the season. But Willie Adamas is a name that reminds you it doesn't have to be the big name free agent. Obviously, the Dodgers are going to be active on the free agent market. They don't have to sign a free agent at every position. And Adamas could really be a fit to come in where he doesn't need to bat in the middle of the batting order, come in and bat seventh through ninth somewhere in there, and just kind of fit in and, and get some big hits for the Dodgers. I could see it happening. Uh, I, I don't think it's crazy. And it kind of makes me want to dig through and see if there's other other trade possibilities at shortstop. Uh, I, I'm sure there are. Uh, I don't know who off the top of my head. You know, I mean, you you go to the Rays and they're not going to trade their shortstop. Wander Franco is very good and not close to making real money yet. And so he's not going anywhere. Uh, and, but there are cheap teams. You know, I uh, I saw Tim Anderson's name floated. I don't know if the White Sox will be uh, interested in trading Tim Anderson. So there's options. Anderson will probably cost a lot. Uh, there's options out there. It doesn't have to be free agency. And Willie Adamas, I'm intrigued. I don't know if I'm in favor, but I'm intrigued. And uh, I think, I guess it comes down to, I trust Andrew Friedman, who has been, uh, I think Andrew Friedman is the one who acquired Adamas for the Rays. You know, he's familiar with the guy. And uh, I trust that if Friedman were to get Adamas, it would be because they see good things and expect good things from him. Uh, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And we're talking about uh, just as a reminder that it doesn't have to be a big name free agent, not at every position. And even a team like the Dodgers, if they can save some money, they might want to do it, uh, whether it's to spend on somebody else or just to keep them out of the Cohen tax or whatever. So I think that's going to do it for me for today. Uh, and, and I guess for me for this week, Vince, like I said, will be with you for tomorrow's episode on his own. I will be down in St. George, Utah, where it is probably warmer. It's 32 degrees where I am right now. And uh, I assume that it's going to be warmer than that in St. George. Uh, so that'll be nice. We'll be hanging out in the swimming pool and playing baseball and 
maybe watching the World Series. I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. But uh, that starts on Friday. So thank you guys for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every day. It really does mean a lot to us. Now for your second listen, check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Uh, if you're not watching or listening to Locked on Dodgers every day, we'd love if you add one, one or two days a month to your rotation. If you have friends or family who love the Dodgers as much as you do, please tell them about the show. Uh, maybe they'll like it. You can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Samperio. I am on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com, and our phone number for voicemails or text messages is 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you on Monday.